it's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible films. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you give a whiny teenager a Chinese version of a monkey's paw? Why, you get the film Wish Upon. My summer away. Don't take, don't take my sum. Oh shit! The fucking podcast started. Uh, hi. Uh, this dance mix brought to you by a fucking horror movie. Oh boy, see we're already starting off great. Here I thought I was gonna be watching something fucking fantastic, and instead I've got like a teenage dance party fucking going on in my ears. And Funny enough, it's kind of a catchy earworm, and you kind of get caught singing along with it before your podcast even starts. Uh, uh, so welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast, where you get to hear me fucking dance to a number in a horror film. Huh. That's weird. Anyway, so this week, uh, I'm following no fucking theme and just watching whatever I saw on Amazon Prime, and what happened to be the other thing where I saw when I would... Saw that Rings was there? Why, Wish Upon. Free if you have Prime. Great. That sounds like a horror movie I wanted to watch in the theaters. Didn't get a chance to go see. For plenty of reasons why. Because, one, I didn't want to waste my fucking money on it. And, two, now I get to catch up on a couple of movies that I wanted to see that came out last year. And, oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh... I don't know what to say. Like, I thought Rings was terrible, okay? It's it's no Iron Man 3. Let me get that out of the way. But it is seriously just a bad movie if you really like the Ring franchise. So, I thought, man, Wish Upon. Okay, this is maybe something a little new. It's not totally new. It, it fucking, you can tell right away that it's just a monkey's paw type of story, right? Except for we're involving Chinese demons this time that are somehow in some type of wish box or whatever it is. It, it, it'll get explained in the movie through, oh God. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second too. <laughs> There's just so much. I have never honestly, like, laughed awkwardly during a movie in a really long time. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying I have not done that in a very long time. And Wish Upon gave me the chance to do it once again. So, where do we begin with this film? Oh my god. So, this, of course, came out in 2017. When I say last year, that's what I mean. And it was written by Barbara Marshall. And uh, it was directed by John R. Lanetti or Leonetti. And... Honestly, I'm still trying to, like, pin what it is. It suffers definitely from the PG-13 syndrome. Because 
every fucking this like death in this movie that happens to somebody fucking sucks. Yeah, I'm getting this out of the way right now. It all just fucking sucks. It is laughable. I busted out laughing at somebody dying because of how ridiculous it was. And again, we will talk about which one that is. Um, to the fucking cringe, I mean cringe-inducing, infuriating fucking dialogue in this movie. Oh my god. Like, I would have thought this film was fucking written by the text generation, Okay. You, you try to do something to make this hip and with it and really getting to the youth of our generation. That's where I think that they were trying to go with this film. And it just fucking fails. Like, it fails miserably. And maybe this is cantankerous old guy fucking talking right now. But honestly, I just... I, I've seen much better writing that is supposedly focused on the youth of our generation nowadays from plenty of other fucking films that are out there and TV shows and everything that you can see. Whoever wrote for this movie, honestly, you, what, I hope, I seriously hope somebody went in and like teenified your dialogue and you did not write this because it is terrible. I would say that about anybody that writes like this and we will get into it because it's just really it's really difficult because it takes you out of a lot of big scenes in the movie and whatever is going on in these situations it's just like come on guys like you're trying to put something over and then instead it's (sighs) what (laughs) i just want to cry i want to i seriously I haven't wanted to turn a film off since Thanksgiving 3, the way that I wanted to turn this off. And it's because of the dialogue. It seriously is. This was a chore, an absolute chore to get through. I wish there was something redeeming about it. Everything in this film does not need to be made, along with a very big surprise piece of the plot. That is not a surprise to the viewers. And if you have not seen this film, I will say this straight up right now. You do not need to stop this. You do not need to go onto Amazon Prime and watch it. Uh, it will be a worth uh, none of your time <laughs> at all. And you're just going to have to trust me on this one. I really wish that this had turned out to be a better film as well. So... Without further ado, let's just dive right into the 2017 travesty that is Wish Upon. And yes, I fucked up saying travesty because this film has got me so heated up already that I am going to be jumbling over words constantly during this whole review and discussion of this film. So, and I am sorry if you like this film, but you are a bad person if you do. (laughs) so the film starts off kind of promising and obviously this i think was the best piece of writing in the whole film like just the way that it begins because it begins unlike a horror film actually begins usually you have something that's going on either you know you have your slasher type films where 
somebody's being attacked. And that's mostly, you know, early 80s, sometimes in the throwback films. But there's always something that kind of leads you in, and that's a little bit dreadful, at least in these PG-13 type of films. And instead, it seems like everything is just peaceful outside. The neighborhood looks great. Uh, the mother, she's going out to the garbage can. She's holding something in her hands that's wrapped in the... Oh, it's the fucking wish box, isn't it? Um, th- that's what that is. That's how this movie fucking starts, right? Right away, she has the fucking wish box. Okay, and we know exactly what the basic plot of this movie is. And I already said it's fucking monkey's paw, and I won't get into it right now. But if you know what the fucking monkey's paw is, you exactly know what is going to happen in this film. And they don't really try to hide the fact from the audience right now, right here and now. And I do not... This is not what I'm giving props for. I'm giving props for the fact that everything seems like it's perfect. But this ruins it for me already. Like, the entire thing. Like, why, when you know what everything is about in this film, why do we give this huge clue away? If anybody is fucking surprised when at the end of the film they reveal that the mom had something to do with the wish box as well, I would be fucking shocked or you have to be fucking 13 years old. Like, those are the two things. Like, either you just didn't fucking catch the clues and you're completely fucking oblivious to this whole fucking intro, or you're just, like, you're just not picking up on it because you're not paying attention because you're fucking staring at your phone in the movie theater. And you're a fucking bitch or dick for doing that, okay? Don't fucking do that in the movie theaters. But, honestly, why? Why do we need to have this right now? Because we know the big revelation is going to come at some point, and it's going to be a huge surprise to a main character, why can't we have this be a surprise to both us and the main character? Why couldn't she just be going out, or could we have just seen her, you know, finish with the garbage? Like, put the lid down, and then it pans back out, and then we see everybody else that's out there. You know, and then the daughter comes out and it starts the rest of everything. Like, we didn't know what she put in there. We didn't know what was going on. But we see her physically walk from the house all the way to the garbage can carrying something that obviously... I mean, come on. It is so goddamn obvious that she has the fucking wish box in her hand and something is going to happen. But it's when. So, that aside... Everything is fucking nice and peaceful to the point that the little girl comes out of the house and, you know, we have our wholesome beginnings. Mommy! Mommy! Clara! (laughs) How far can I go? Just down the street and back. You can visit the nest room? Yes! (laughs) Okay. Go on, big girl. So Claire goes down to the nest and she views it and mom walks back into the house and walks up an immense amount of stairs. Like, I don't know how many fucking floors this house is, but it seems like she goes up like seven flights of stairs all the way to the attic. And Claire comes back into the house and starts looking for mom. And of course, we get the fucked up part of the beginning, right? Everything is totally nice and peaceful and everybody's like, oh, it's happy we're here and... You know, all nice neighborhood and my girl's going out to play. And when she goes and find mom commits suicide by hanging herself uh, in the attic in front of Claire. 
Fast forward now, Claire is waking up out of her bed to the dream of her mom killing herself, and she's getting ready for the day. We see that Dad is going out with his friend, and that's Ryan Phillip right there, or Philippe, or whoever the fuck his name is, but you know who he is, uh, who's playing the dad, which once again, like, is he old enough to be playing a dad like this in this film, or am I just out of it? <laughs> That he gets to play a father figure? I don't know. Either or, it's very, like, weird to me that he's, like, old enough to be playing that type of role. But, I digress. And so he goes out, because, I guess, once your wife commits suicide, you let your house go to shit, and all you do is go around collecting junk. We never really find out what happened between the time period from when she died to when everything went to shit, but... I'm pretty sure that does get explained within the movie. In the beginning, it's a little jarring. You don't understand why. But later on, of course, you kind of understand. And you can kind of guess why it's gone this way right now. Um, well, maybe you can't because I don't think it's explained in the trailer what one of the l- rules of the wish box is. But we'll get more into that later on. So he goes out to collect his junk with his friend and Claire, she goes to school. She stops by her uncle's house, and while she's going to pick up the paper for the uncle, uh, some bitches in a car almost run her over. Hot. Hotter. Yes. Hi, Uncle August. No, no, I'll get the paper. Thank you, Claire. So she fell over into his trash cans. He didn't seem like he was all that like worried that she did it. She's he's kind of like it seems like he's not all there. Maybe some things happened to him to the point that he doesn't really have a great memory or maybe has Alzheimer's, but he looks like he's very well off because the house they have is completely well that the uncle has is super duper nice. And so she skins her leg and she rides back off into school. When she arrives there, she sees somebody in the distance that's collecting garbage in the back who happens to be her dad. That's a huge embarrassment. Dad! Serious? What'd I do now? You promised that you wouldn't do this at my school. We're not at your school. We're across the street from your school. <sighs> yeah, but people can still see you. Who the hell is watching? Hey, hey, what happened there? I fell at Uncle August's house and he saw the whole thing. What did I tell you about talking to Uncle August? You said not to, but I really don't see why. Dad, you're, you're killing me, okay? Hey, well, let's roll out, Sharon. Thank you. Okay, so we also get a glimpse of the character Ryan for just a second as he skates boards like right by the camera. He becomes much more important later in the film, but we get a very like quick glimpse of him right here. It doesn't really seem like it's important, but for some reason we have to see him, so it must be important to the way that the film works. Um, we also see that she does not like whatever has happened to her father, and he's really kind of gone to disarray ever since her mom died. So he's like basically turned... He used to be a, some type of like musician. We learned this a little later on in the film. 
But basically, he gave the sax man from the Lost Boys a big run for his money. So, she's super embarrassed. And I kind of understand what's going on. You're a teenager, your dad is going around as supposedly a hobby, but it seems like he's kind of just going around for the money, but we don't, because we don't really know what he does, like how he works or where, how they can afford the house that they live in. There was absolutely no backstory to anything else that's going on. And I do understand why now, after seeing the film and going through it these two times, why maybe they didn't want to give any type of backstory. But again, it really has to do with the wish box and her mom having it. And I wish that they did do a couple of things because it would have been more of a revelation surprise at the end of the movie when we get shown what exactly her relationship to the box is. Again, I'm not trying to like ruin these things right away for anybody, but we already know this because we were shown this. And it sucks. I hate it. So now that Claire has been thoroughly embarrassed by her father and tells him to get away, and dear, it is semantics. I totally understand. They're not actually at your school. They're just across the street from the school. And while it's too close for your own comfort, really your dad needs to make some type of money so that you can sustain the lifestyle you have. See, we meet her and her two friends now inside of the school, and they're hanging some giant poster for some senior-like scavenger hunt that I guess she has something to do with, but you know what? She manages to have things like a cell phone and the bike and everything else that her dad has put on the table for her, and yet she's still really embarrassed about what he does for a living, which honestly... It's not that bad of a job if you find some really nice things. But I digress. How about we take a listen to the interaction of the everyday teenagers and their everyday, like, fun-filled world of high school as we meet her two friends while she's putting something up for the school. So, what do you guys think? So good. How long did it take you? Uh, yeah, like weeks. Claire, you try way too hard, dude. Jesus, I'm not trying at all. Hey, will you guys help me hang it up? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, just, yeah, just give me one sec. What is she doing? Uh, it's called Monster Mutant Slayer. Dumbest game ever. Hey, don't mock what you don't understand, dude, okay? If I kill Lurch and Louisa and hack that Perry, I level up to Mutant Killer. And if I get Malfour and Molly, I'm a Monster Mutant Master, man. I know, awesome, yes. No! No! I'm, I'm fucking out of here! No! I'm not doing the rest of this fucking movie! What? No! No! No, that's a fucking misrepresentation of every fucking gamer out of there! Like, who the fuck talks like that? No! I'm done! I'm done with this fucking movie! Right here! No! You can't! Stop it! Stop! Oh! Uh, uh, uh. Ah! Son of a bitch! I have an obligation to fucking finish this film. No, fuck this dialogue. Fuck this whole thing. Like, what the hell is going on in this film that they're, like, thinking that this is what, like, is gonna get everybody into this fucking film? Oh, there's some game. Okay, you know that it's gonna lead to somehow, like, this girl's, like, death or something like that with this film, right? Like, something is gonna happen because of this stupid fucking game, and that she's so addicted. Oh, if I go out there and I find this fucking one monster, oh, it's gonna be the way that everything would have. I'm gonna be the monster master! I fucking wrote in these fucking goddamn notes, I'm fucking done with this movie. You know how far into this movie this is? Six 
fucking minutes. I've already had to deal with the fact that this girl is a whiny fucking bitch and is embarrassed by her dad who had to deal with the loss of his wife fucking killing herself in front of you. You should be more worried about that and you should be more sensitive to your dad's fucking feelings. But no, he goes out and he makes fucking money for his family and helps by doing the dumpster dive thing, okay? Maybe it's not the most glamorous thing and maybe he used to be this world famous fucking musician or something and he's not that way anymore and he might still have the chops but who fucking knows okay but honestly what the fuck like is it like something with this like oh god like how do you i can't even put my words fucking together how this infuriates me how most of the dialogue in this film is just like what you heard right here in fact afterwards after this goes down the fucking popular kids come by and throw a fucking milkshake it's fucking the beginning of the day where the fuck did they get the milkshake of course it could be a fucking smoothie but fuck that shit like it is the worst fucking like basic bitch fucking stuff that I have ever seen in a fucking movie. Like, you think that this is good fucking dialogue? That this is the way that this film should fucking move along? No! I mean, come on, I get it. I probably couldn't write a teen from a hole in my fucking ass, but I bet you I could give it a little bit better of a try than this. What you think that these fucking kids actually talk like... Maybe they don't talk like fucking 17-year-olds. Maybe they talk like fucking 12-year-olds, okay? Oh, that we're all in this place, and of course, we have the valley girl type thing, and she's the fucking popular girl because she's the blonde hair one with her fucking friend that can't do anything but take pictures all the fucking time. Like, why? Why? Why, why do you need to have this? Why do you need to try to be, like, somewhat hip? Oh, I'm gonna use... And this is a fucking, like... AR game, right? Like Pokemon fucking Go or something like that. Except for there's zombies. And, and and funny enough, right now I saw an advertisement for like the Walking Dead zombie version of this thing. But nonetheless, it's like you're just trying to be like hip and with it. You are the Austin Powers fucking Dr. Evil of fucking writing movies right now. I'm hip. I'm with it. Like, seriously, when he's talking to fucking Seth Green's character, his son, and he's trying to be hip to his son, that is what this dialogue in this movie is. And and then when the lady comes by and she does the shit that she does, and it's like, oops, or whatever, it's just like, oh, poor you, you're the fucking outcast, oh my god, I'm supposed to feel for you? I feel for you because you watched your mother fucking die right in front of your fucking eyes when you were a little kid. I, I get that. That actually hits home. I'm not discounting that. But this bullshit, this is Breakfast Club fucking bullshit. And you know who did this part better than you? Do you know who did it better than you as a film and you should be fucking ashamed of yourself? The motherfucking Power Rangers reboot that they did. That has done this part of this fucking film better than you are doing and you are trying to set up some like mythical wish horror film oh goddamn power rangers man fucking breakfast club with fucking zords that's what that was but that's for another day maybe (laughs) so she goes off to Chinese class. They never say what type of Chinese. It's either Mandarin or Cantonese. Can we get away from you're going to Chinese? 
Like, which Chinese language are you speaking? Please tell me which. And the way that things are written, and it's lower class or upper class, if it's going to be upper class, especially when it comes to this wish box, then it's Cantonese that they're going to be taking, right? And if I'm wrong about that, which I believe I'm right, um, then say that you're taking Cantonese and not Mandarin, okay? But that is just small and stupid and pisses me off. But she manages to be taking that class. And then they go into the cafeteria to where we have this wonderful scene as well. What was that? Um, nothing. No. Um, mm, but you were laughing. Which is co-signing. And we all want to know what you're laughing about. Go ahead. Everyone's listening. Okay. No, Claire. Yeah, do it. What's so funny? Winner? Yeah, what's funny is that you're smegma. But, like, ultimate smegma. (laughs) What does that even mean? Oh, well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's great. Um, Smegma, it's a noun. <clears throat> a malodorous, opaque, white or yellow substance produced by the sebaceous glands of male and female genitalia. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. Would you like me to define ultimate for you? <laughs> Smegma? Are you fucking kidding me? Who the fuck is it? No, I do not want to go back over to recording that shit anymore. Do you hear me? She fucking used the words smegma, okay? She fucking went in there, and that's the insult that they're gonna fucking write into this film? Is fuck. No, don't you sit in your fucking high tower over there and tell me exactly what I needed to do, and that you're, you ain't fucking even paying me to do this fucking thing, and you expect me to do this fucking movie? She used smegma! Yes, smegma! Fine, but I'll finish the fucking review, but after this, we're fucking talking about this. And, uh, okay, okay. Smegma. Smegma. What the fuck? Again, I am ten minutes into this movie, and I'm already fucking, like, I don't want to be in this film anymore. Like, who? What? How? Why? Like, that's the insult that you're going to use? You're gonna use smegma? Granted, it's a little interesting. You don't hear very often. But it's a PG-13 movie. I guess you gotta get fucking creative with the way that you do your shit. You can't say fuck more than once, which I don't think they even say at all in this fucking movie. And after that, you know... Nothing. There's other shit that they say. I bet you the other word that they said that they got away with because it's PG-13 and they only said it once, which will come up in a bit. Uh, That's the reason why they couldn't use fuck. They couldn't just say that she's a snaggletooth bitch. You know, anything but smegma and your ultimate smegma. I do admit, do admit at the end of it that the way she says, do you want me to define ultima or ultimate to you? That is fucking hilarious. Don't care. That actually made me laugh pretty hard. But if you, I was supposed to be like, she called her smegma. And smegma is really mostly from guys. You know this, right? 
You, you look up, look up what smegma is. It's not exactly the definition, okay? In my day, it was called dick cheese. And, and you'll understand why. So, she, of course, gets into a fight with the poor girl, well, smegma girl, uh, and by, well, first she gets pretty slapped, like, pretty hard in the face, and then she slaps back, and then they jump on each other, and then it's a bitch fight, and then she's, like, we transition to her talking to her neighbor across the street, who's giving some weird, like, smoothie mix with broccoli and pineapple and kale and some other type of bullshit, and, like, Basically telling her, you know what would be better? How you would not get your ass kicked by having a relationship. Oh boy, relationships just solve everything. And then she asks Claire if there's anybody that she's interested, whether it be boy or girl. Because we have to be very progressive when we talk about things these days and what people might actually be interested in. And she's like, yeah, there's a boy that was, I'm like, interested like, he talked to me once in the fifth grade. Oh, we know where this is fucking going. And, of course, this leads directly into her father, who's found the wishing box while he was out scavenging with his friend to tell her about it. So the clip that I'm going to play is basically the first part of that scene where he's, she's talking to her friend, and then uh, where Dad tells her, hey, I found something for you. What's in it? It's broccoli, apple, lemon, and ginger. Because we don't want you to bruise. You know what you need. Please don't say it, please. A nice boy. You said it. Boy, a nice girl. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You must like someone. I do, but... So what's his or her name? Paul. I think he said hi to me once. Well, that's something. In the fifth grade. No. Oh. <laughs> hey. You got the green stuff. <laughs> it's called salad. It's healthy and you're welcome. I got you a little something, buddy. It's up on your bed. Dad, please, we've, we talked about this already. We have your space and then there's my space. I know. I just found it at this fancy place. It's got Chinese writing on it. Figured since you're taking Chinese. If you don't want it, Carl, take it. See, you're damn right. <sighs> just consider it an early birthday present. So she goes upstairs and she's first going through all of her, like, she gets text messages from her friends. And we see that the wishing box is there on the bed. But she gets a text message saying, oh, your fight's all over, you know, the internet. And they didn't get the rights to put Instagram out there. But she's basically looking at Instagram. And it's weird because she's fucking flipping through all of the pictures that she's looking at of everything going on from her tormentor darcy like and basically on the side she's like oh you know i'm getting a manicure because of the bitch slap that i gave her and blah 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 blah, blah. you know some of the shit that teenies would actually probably put out there or some shit like that but the pictures are changing without her fucking clicking and comments are just popping up like crazy like she just happens to be on the page and then all of a sudden the comments just fucking roll in like there's not the the spacing in between or we don't just she managed to see everything in real time and i just don't fucking believe it and then while she's upset she goes over and she grabs the wishing thing and she starts reading the inscriptions on the side of it all written in chinese and that's where she makes the revelation based on what she can read on it and makes her very first wish Seven wishes. 
Why not? I wish that Darcy Chapman would just, I don't know, but just like go rot. So Max is there at the front of the door, and he's trying to get into the room, and when she opens the door, he doesn't want anything to do with it, and he's looking into the room as he looked at the beginning of the film when he saw the mom put whatever it was, quote-unquote whatever it was, into the garbage bin outside. It's the same exact thing, he has the same exact reaction, and so again, we're being foreshadowed to what it could possibly be, but there's something that's freaking him out at least. We could kind of gander from the scene but if you've been paying attention you know exactly what it is and she makes her first switch which we saw in the trailer of the film right but when we saw the trailer it seemed like she really knew what was going on where here it's just kind of like oh it's a wish well you know what i really wish that this would happen unbeknownst to her you know the wish actually does come true the box opens up in the middle of the night starts playing a creepy song which doesn't manage to wake her up but then we go over to darcy's house where her friends just happen to be sleeping over the same ones that we've seen from the beginning of the film i guess they spend the weekends over there or the weeknights there i don't fucking know but she wakes up and we see the scene from the trailer where and it's the same exact fucking scene and it's really bad fucking makeup where she's like rotting like the flesh is all rotting off her body and that cuts over into the morning where the two friends of claire they seem to be really well one of them seems to be really excited that shit is happening to her necrotizing fasciitis no yeah yeah so apparently she who must not be named picked up a case of it at the spa and now she's at the icu she might lose her toes part of her leg and part of her face (laughs) how sweet is that oh she's rotting yeah apparently karma is a bigger bitch than darcy chapman oh no (laughs) oh it's for darcy You said that like we should care. <laughs> um, we're starting a GoFundMe. Oh, go fund this. Yeah. <laughs> go on, Scooch. It's fine. Bye. It's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> oh my God. You're proud. Okay, now, while I do appreciate the fact that they're kind of like, oh, Karma's here and Karma's hit her like a bitch, like a freight train, at the same time, I'm kind of like, uh, would you really respond in that way? Especially, like... Well, maybe her friend would. Maybe the sister-sister wannabe is, like, just a bitch in general. And when somebody else gets their comeuppance who's treated them like a bitch, she's going to continue to treat them the exact same way. Maybe she's got the golden rule going on. And I guess maybe that's okay. But right now, I would really be a little bit like, uh, maybe I really shouldn't be this type of person at this point. Take the fucking higher ground. But you know what? I don't need to donate to her and flip them off. Second thing that's going on here is their friend, like, the the bitch that got the necrotitis, flashiotis, or whatever the fuck it's called, uh, the flesh-eating disease, he took a picture of her and posted it on fucking, uh, not Instagram, and everybody got to see it that way. Like, would you be that person's friend anymore after this? No, but they still seem like later on in the film that they're very chummy-chummy with each other, and it's really quite disturbing to be honest i mean if my friend took a picture of me like 
after I just found out that my toes are possibly going to be amputated, I might be losing parts of my face, and put it out for the rest of the world to see, I'd be like, you're fucked up. Uh, and if I'm a bitch like this person is supposed to be, I would own that guy's fucking life at that fucking moment. So, they're basically kind of celebrating that this shit has happened to him. And so, Claire goes back home, and she tries to find Max, and she has sees no sight of him, and she thinks that he's gone underneath the house. And when she goes under the house, she eventually reaches the end of the the crawl space, I guess you could call it, because it's not really the basement, it's just what's underneath the deck. And there's a rat scare that is kind of effective and really is the only jump scare in the film, but then we see poor Max over in the corner completely disemboweled. So either something got him really bad, or those rats are fucking splintered in disguise and whipped the fucking shit out of him when he tried to attack them. I'm kind of leaning to number two, considering there are quite a bit of rats down there that were feeding on his poor doggy flesh. So they take the dog from out of the house, And in the morning, she goes over to a Chinese teacher, quote-unquote Chinese teacher, and (laughs) tries to figure out what the writing on the outside of the box mean. And that's where we get the word, I think, that got allowed into this movie uh, that wasn't fuck. But the majority of the characters are written in ancient Chinese. If you want an accurate translation, you'll probably have to talk to a scholar. Got it. Thank you. Hey, my cousin could hook it up. Ancient Chinese is her thing. She'd help you out for a price. I don't really have any money. Who said anything about money? He'll take a tit pick, and uh, so will I. What? Um, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Offer still stands if you change your mind. Dude, seriously? Yes, yeah, so the word of the film that we get instead of fuck is tit. And the fact that, oh, we'll get a tit pick is not really, like, the word I think that kids would use nowadays. Again, you know what this is, too? This is like that one sketch with Steve Buscemi, where he's like, Hi, normal kids. I'm just like you. That's the writing of this fucking movie. What kid says tit pick? Boob pick, I would totally agree with. Maybe, uh, Maybe I'm just not with it. No, 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 Brian. It's the kids who are no longer with it. But honestly, I think you would still say boob pick or nude, uh, or, I mean, nude pick, something like that. You wouldn't say tit pick. Like, who says that anymore? And you're gonna get rid of the one fuck you could possibly use in this movie for tit? When you could have just said boob or nude? Oh, he'll take a nude. Like, you know exactly what it is. Do we have to break it down that much? And do you really only want a tit pick? So you only want one pick of one of her tits? Like, boob pick, I, I guess you could say that I'm being arguing semantics here. Where, like, you know, you say tit, and I'm only talking about one rather than talking about both tits or both boobs. Uh, whereas nude pick is definitely everything. And wouldn't you rather have a boob pick rather than just a tit pick in this situation? Especially if I was his age, which he's probably actually about 30 playing somebody that's 17 in high school talking about this type of stuff. But... Honestly, like, that is a waste of what you actually decided to use your big, one big cuss word for in the entire film. So we see the girls, they all catch back together inside the dining area in the cafeteria, and we learn that, uh, well, one of her friends is very ecstatic that Darcy has gotten what she's gotten. 
Hey guys, do you feel that? It's like the darkness has been lifted ever since bitch face since birth left the building. You know, I heard they had to amputate a few of her toes. Sweet. Guys, we shouldn't be happy about this. Claire, I never said I was happy. I'm freaking ecstatic, man. Almost like being here. <laughs> so, of course, she you know, she's been the biggest bitch at the school for whatever time, and she kind of got what was coming to her. I don't know if she necessarily needed to have her flesh rot off, but her friend seems to be very happy that this is even going on with her. We cut back to Claire, and she's back at home, and she's grieving over the fact that they found her poor dog mutilated. And th- what does she do to alleviate herself from this? Why, look at pictures of Paul in all of his shirtless glory on his not-Instagram. Like, she starts going through, Oh, man, I I really need to calm myself down. What would make me feel better and make me forget about my poor disemboweled dog? I know, looking at a guy's hot, rippling abs, that makes me feel so much better. Like, honestly? Really? Like, I know that not everybody is that fucking petty that it's just like, oh, I'm gonna look at that. And so, what, of course, is her second wish? Of course, it's to make Paul fall madly in love with her. You know, I've seen this before. I bet you I can tell you what the third wish is gonna be. And we've already seen it again from the fucking trailer. So it's like everything. It's just not even like a cautionary tale. She's just doing everything. But of course, she makes the wish. And we don't see the fruits of the wish until much later. What we do see is the blood pact that the box actually needs to make these wishes. Yes, we're going to learn more about the blood pact later. But in general, we know from based on the trailer that if she makes a wish, something bad happens to her or the people around her pretty much. And so who gets to be the end of the short stick on this one? Why, it's her uncle in one of the funniest fucking death sequences you know i'm okay we don't necessarily need to see the dog die maybe we could have seen him climb underneath there maybe we could have seen like him go in something's like kind of following that's mystical or something because i'm assuming that something in the box is what did it to him before and something in the box is going to be doing it to him this time but this is like some mixture of final destination and bullshit okay at least in Final Destination, it's some type of, like, Rube Goldberg type of machine, right? You see everything happening in, like, the kitchen. And he's gonna get burned to death, or he's gonna have his head smashed in between the refrigerator doors. Something's gonna happen to the dude where things are gonna be put into motion, and it's kinda neat the first couple times that you see it, and then it just gets really silly, like, kills in other movies. But here, it's like following that fucking formula of... It's... <laughs> He puts the water on. Oh, is it the water that's going to get him? Oh, he steps into the bath. Is it the bath that's going to get him? Oh, it's a combination of both. And he falls back. And you see his old man ass. And he... And I know I shouldn't be laughing, but... You, this is the... This is obviously... Honestly, the one scene that you have to see. Because it's just a old man ass. Falling into the tub, and (laughs) I can't fake laugh like this. It just hit me again, like just the imagery that you see. And if it's the one thing that you do watch from the movie, watch the death of this guy, and you will chuckle as much as I do. Either that, or I'm just really fucked up. 
slap in the head. Uh, because just the way, like, he puts the cane on the side of the tub and he starts to step in, like, all carefully. And then he slips and he hits his head on the back of the tub. And then the tub turns completely red from his blood. I mean, like, it is overdone. The fact that he should have been bleeding out. And, oh, you think everything's okay because, you know, Uncle Albert or whatever the fuck his name is getting out of the tub. And, oh, I survived. I'm just bleeding heavily. Let's get up. And then he hits his head on the faucet and drowns. Uh, so, well, he bleeds to death or drowns. I don't know which one it fucking is. But it's really fucking hilarious. Like, just the whole thing. And you see man-ass for just, like, old man-ass just for a second when he slips up and it's really fucked up that i'm laughing at this i would never laugh at a real old person because you know what that could be me one of these days i've already slipped into the tub once and fucking damaged my ribs bruised ribs are no fucking joke but it's just something about this scene just hit me fucking right and i don't know why it hit me in that regard so shortly after we find out or we see the scene of the dead uncle we see that her dad is getting a phone call to find out that, you know, he actually is dead and what could be coming of this. Hey. Owner of the iconic glass house estate in Gatesville. What's going on? Anderson was found deceased in his residence this afternoon. Are we going to the funeral? As far as I'm concerned, good riddance. What's going to happen to all of his stuff? If there's a will, trust me, we ain't in it. Yeah, of course not. Ow! Damn it, Dad, come on! What? We don't have room for all of this crap! Hey, 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 hey! hey what? I'm, I'm gonna use those. What do, you, what do you need these for, huh? Dad, seriously, you can't get rid of anything! What would Mom say, huh? Dad. Dad, are you listening to God? Never listen to anything I say. Okay, Claire, you're a whiny fucking bitch. Like, I don't necessarily know about the whole hoarder thing and what might happen to some people and why they do it. But a lot of it is really psychologically, like, affected by something that happened to you at one time. Whether it's the death of a spouse or it's the death of a family member or something tragic that was done to you that causes you to hoard. Obviously, in this situation, it's the fact that her mother committed suicide and something happened with her family and them. There's some reason why he does not want to have any type of interaction with the uncle or the uncle doesn't want to have an interaction with them. Again, it is really not explained and nobody understands why this is even happening. Well, especially with the daughter. There's something that we're missing here and I wish that we knew. Uh, then on the second thing, her, you know, it's like, why do you have to be such a bitch? Like, why do you have to be like that? I get it. It's embarrassing. You don't understand it. What's going on? I guess maybe that's written okay. That could possibly happen. But honestly, she's grown up with this for a long time. And a lot of the time, they're very sympathetic to the father figure that's taking care of them or the parental figure that's taking care of them. And even though they may react in a negative light, they still fucking try to figure out a way to help them because usually they're a little inept. And in this situation, it doesn't really seem like she does anything to even help the situation that's going on. So, fuck her. Of course she goes upstairs and she grabs the wish box and she wishes that her uncle leaves everything to them. And guess what? 
that's exactly what happened. So they get the call the next day, and everything is left to Claire. And that also causes the next death to happen in the film. And it happens to be the friend that lived across the street from them. See, they go and they leave. And they're leaving basically like the country, like the Beverly Hillbillies, hitting that gold in them, our hills, and now move into Beverly. And so they're going to go live in that huge mansion that the uncle lived in previously, leaving everybody in this crappy neighborhood behind. Well, at least at the crappy house behind that they live right now. But unbeknownst to us they actually get to keep the place that they're living at they didn't try to sell it they just move on to the mansion because of shit that happens later on in the film so while they're there big ball and seeing everything we then cut over and we see their friend across the street go through their fucking stupid bullshit rube goldberg machine so she's and then you see this in the trailer too like i hate the fact that like every death that we've seen besides naked man ass that's the only one that we haven't seen but, like, the major parts of the film we see right now. We see the very first one where the girl, she's all rotting, and we see that in there. And then we see this girl, or well, I shouldn't say girl, but this lady where she gets her hair caught inside the uh, garbage disposal, and that's what kills her. Like, we see everything that leads up to it. And I call it kind of a bullshit machine because there's, like, fake outs. Is she going to get her hand stuck in there? No. Is this going to happen over in this part of the kitchen? No. Is this what's going to kill her over here? Because the stove, you know, is on and the flames go up and then the flames go out and is it gas that's gonna kill her oh no no it's not necessarily the gas oh no it is the fucking garbage disposal that's gonna kill her but she's gonna get her hair stuck in like you've already shown me what basically is going to happen to her by the trailer if i didn't if i went to this without the trailer at all i'd be a little surprised and be kind of apprehensive of what's going on or what's gonna get her but no i've seen the trailer so i know exactly so whatever you're doing is setting up bullshit like, and then the fact when it starts to grab her, she can't fucking, she has her hand on the fucking switch to turn off the garbage disposal, and she can't fucking do that, like she's that fucking useless to where it's, it goes, uh, uh, on, off, okay, on, off, on, off, like you could hit it and everything would be okay, but of course she does, and all it does is snap her neck. Again, PG-13, you could have had at least somewhat of an interesting death, but they saved, <sighs> Not the most interesting death, but the goriest death in this film for the next person that dies. So, of course, now she's got all this money. She goes out big balling with friends. She buys them a purse because they're like, oh, you got all this money now and everything's blah, 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 blah. But we do get a kind of heartfelt scene between Claire and her dad where they talk about what happened with mom and if she's actually going to grow up to be just like her, which, again is actually foreshadowing for the film. I found something you might like. Yeah? Yeah. They're your mother's. I found them when I was packing up our stuff. I forgot how good she was. Where do you think you get it from? Some of these are so happy. So was she. Why do you think she did? Buddy, I've been asking myself that every single day for the last 12 years. I still don't have an answer. Do you think I'm like her? Of course you are. No, 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 sweetie, not, not like that. What I mean is you're smart and funny. And you don't take people's crap. Well, statistically, if you have a parent that committed suicide... Claire, she was a good woman, but she had a rough childhood. And secrets... Honey, I think that... 
I think maybe it. Our secrets were too big to live with, and it was easier to just let go. So this is somewhat interesting to the way that everything pans out in the story and kind of what we've already talked about a little bit in the beginning. I actually kind of like this scene. This is one of the few scenes in the film and where I wish there were more scenes like this. Like she's making these wishes without actually knowing what's going on. And if she were to slowly find out that there was some connection between her mom and the box instead of it just being like a surprise at the end of the film... Or, if it is going to be a surprise at the end of the film, that we learned a little more about what exactly happened to them in the past. And like he said, you keep it kind of secretive, which is great. I'm totally okay with it, and I'm totally okay with everything going down that path. But like we were shown at the beginning of the movie, we know what her secret is. The fact that she used the box. At the beginning of the film, she was getting rid of the box, so she's used it. We don't know what she used it on, how she used it. I'd like to know these things. Like, it'd be kind of neat, again, if we weren't shown that, or even if we were shown that, like, they talked about something. Like, there was actually, like, an interaction between her uncle and the father where he blames, like, the uncle blames her for her death. Well, you did this if you hadn't been on the road all the time, scoring all these gigs and doing this and actually paying attention to your family, not being the famous musician you used to be. Something like that. Like, it would be really cool if that was the way that things went but no we don't get any of that type of shit in this movie so after everything's calmed down and we see that her dad is a sexy sax man she goes to sleep but she wakes up in the middle of the night having dreams about the box and things that are kind of connected to it and she sees somebody that stalks her outside of her window and he runs away before she's able to actually confront him and she confronts her dad at the same time well he stops her from basically swinging a rake at his head the next day, she decides that she's going to go over and see the guy, Ryan, uh, who offered her the services of his sister to help decipher what the other sides of the box means because she feels that something weird is actually happening to her. And that's where we learn that his sister, well, the payment that she really wants for it is something very stereotypical. Ryan, what's the price? Of? Your cousin helping me translate something? Uh, well, she's a slut for wontons. Oh, done, yeah. When can we go? Let's go right now. So, I'm waiting for an apology. Been waiting for years. (laughs) What did I do? First grade sharing circle. You farted. I did not fart. You farted and you blamed it on me, and everyone called me McFarts until, until like, like the sixth grade. I'm sorry. Are you really? Yeah. An apology accepted. But maybe in the multiverse, it never happened. Or it did happen, and you farted, blamed it on me, and I got called McFarts. Wait. You dig on multiverses? Yeah, I mean, the theory that, you know, another you exists in different circumstances, under different planes of reality, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I dig. Maybe in the multiverse, neither of us farted. Maybe we're even dating. Maybe. Maybe not. 
Okay, so I know I say this a lot in a lot of these things, and I'm going to say it again. Why the fuck is this in this movie? Why do I need to learn about them and multiverse bullshit? Okay, maybe that. I'll, I'll give them that. But the farting bullshit and the fact that Ryan is fucking interested in her and wants to fucking go out with her because he's got a big fucking crush on her. What? Why can't we just be like, okay, you know, I'm going to totally help you out and we'll just go with this. Maybe the farting thing is kind of cute because it leads into the past or something like that. But before this even happened, you know, Paul, he's completely fallen under the spell. And now we can kind of guess also who is the one that's outside her fucking window in the middle of the night. And he dumps his girlfriend and goes after her. And this is one of the main reasons why she approaches Ryan. Because she sees that these wishes are happening and she wants to learn more about the box. Because what happens, you know, at the end of Seven Wishes or whatever else else is going on. uh, Do they have limitations of what they can do? That's what I'm assuming what she wants to know if there are stuff on the outside of the box. But why throw this in the mix? Oh, because something's going to go wrong with the fucking wish that fucking she made about Paul. And she's going to realize that Ryan is the one that maybe she should have been paying attention to. Because he really is interested in her. And not just like Paul who's fucking superficial about all this shit. And is being forced into this loving relationship to where he's going to be a fucking stalker yeah that's right ruin that fucking shit for you right now because come on you can see it fucking coming from a mile of fucking way why do we have to keep going through this type of stuff i don't get it again this is teenage fucking monkey's paw is what's fucking going on like there was a fucking teen version of the fucking twilight zone wish upon would be just a 30 minute episode inside of it instead of we get this whole fucking an hour and 26 fucking minute movie i'm not counting the fucking credits which are about three four minutes fucking long anyway so they go and see his sister and she breaks down a little more about what the writings on the outside of the box are, but she can't quite figure everything out. She also sees that there's a name on the outside of the box, uh, Liu Mei, and they talk a little more about the story. So this is kind of a long clip because this is going to lead from when they first meet the sister Jia, and then they're going to go in and talk about the story of Liu Mei. Uh, and towards the end of this, a little less clips, a little longer clips. Just warning you right now. I didn't warn you in the beginning of it. But, so, let's learn a little bit more about this goddamn box. Bitchin'. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. And I can't, I can't really read what it says, but... Can you open it? Well, it looks like a version of a Chinese wish pot. They're pretty common, actually. You take a piece of paper, write down your wish, put it in the pot, and wait for it to come true. Let's see this one. It's heavy. Okay, it promises to grant seven wishes, and there are rules. Lay your hands upon me. I guess you have to be touching it to make a wish. Abandon, lose, or sell me, and all your wishes will be undone. Yeah, and what what does this say? That is not a word. It's a name. Lou May? The legend of Lou May. In 1910, bubonic plague swept through mainland China. Lou May and her family were suspected of being infected, so they were quarantined in a train car where they died of heat stroke and dehydration. Lou May was the only survivor. 
Local legend says she took the only valuable thing the family owned, a music box, and went to a temple to pray for revenge. She prayed for seven days and seven nights, and on the seventh night, a Yao Guai answered. Yao Guai? A demon of the Chinese persuasion. If you believe in that sort of thing. It says Lu Mei became very wealthy and her enemies were vanquished. In 1922, she died. Suicide. Opium. Romantic. So, what do these numbers mean on the bottom? I have no idea. A mystery. Um, it also says when the music ends, something happens. Like. I don't know. It could be a few different things, but my guy Mike at UWA—he's pretty smart, so I will let you know what he says. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, me and my tons need some time alone. I prefer to destroy them in private. Need anything else? Nope. We're out. Cool. It's great to meet you. You too. Thanks. Okay, so who needs to destroy Tons in private? And is Tons really code for something else? Like, I need to destroy my dolls? Uh, maybe I need to destroy my chopsticks? Uh, or maybe she just needs to destroy her pussy. I don't know which what it is that she needs to destroy, but she has to kill her wontons in private. But before she does, she does tell Ryan that, hey, she thinks that Claire is cute and... Okay, whatever. And that maybe he should try to go after her. And he says he's trying, but who knows if things are actually going to go his way. Because we know as an audience that she is really into Paul. And she's already cast a spell upon Paul. So she's driving them back to wherever I guess she has to dump Ryan off. And on the way back, she sees that her dad is still out there scavenging with her, his friend Carl. Damn it, Carl. And basically embarrassing the shit out of her even though they have all of this money now and of course she goes back home and she makes her fourth wish and it's at this point in the film that now we know that something happens every time she makes the wish and that Gia has figured out that yeah that's something that happens something too because she tries to call her her brother and tell him that hey there's something really weird that she found and fucked up about the whole situation and that hey you know you need to tell her about it and she's trying but all these weird you know rube goldberg bullshit type things happen again and she drops her phone and she's unable to finish the call to her brother uh and that's because claire she has wished that hey um my dad, I don't want him to be so embarrassing to me anymore. That's right. She's more worried about her appearance to everybody else and doesn't want to be embarrassed by the fact that her dad's a dumpster diver and wants to be cool again. And that wish does happen because he starts pursuing his musical career once again and they actually have a band in the house and he is really sexy sax manning it up. He hasn't gotten to the point where he's surrounded by fire, oily, and fucking bare-chested blowing out his sax notes, but he is intriguing one of her friends that's like, damn, your dad's hot. Meanwhile... And what I don't fucking get about this, Gia is the one that's targeted for death next. What connection she has to fucking Claire, I don't know. Other than the fact that she's figured out what this thing is. And maybe it doesn't want her to know what exactly he's doing. So, he goes after her. But he doesn't really do anything. 
It's completely and utter bullshit. It is the worst kill in the film, and it happens to be the goriest kill in the film. Maybe it's not the worst kill in the film. Maybe the the uncle's the worst kill in the film. But the fact of the matter is that, like, the lights go out, she's almost locked out, she goes inside, she trips on a rug, and she stabs herself in the face on a bull's, like, horns. Like, she has a sculpture of a bull or something like that, or a stuffed bull, or a taxidermy bull, whatever. She's got bull horns in the fucking house, and they perfectly are poked, or, or not poked, but put in a way to where both of her eyes are going to get poked out, and it's going to go through the back of her head. You don't really see it. You see her dangling from it, but you don't see her trip and fall into it. You just see her trip and fall, you hear the noise, and then you see that the body is fucking lying there. It's really fucking stupid. Like, terribly terribly fucking stupid the fact that you can't even show that because you're trying to keep a pg-13 rating makes no fucking sense so there's also the question of whether or not she's going to go out with paul which she ultimately agrees to and now they're kind of sort of dating even though she's got her own pair for the senior like scavenger hunt and he's okay with ditching all of his friends to go and compete with her, but, you know, red flag, red flag, red flag, of course she doesn't see it. And then she's approached by Ryan in the hallways, who has some more information to talk to her about the box. Claire. Oh, hey, I'll see you at class. Sounds good. Ryan, where have you been? Is everything okay? Uh, can I ask you something? It's gonna sound so stupid and so crazy, but, um, you know that wish box that your dad got you? Have you made any wishes? What? Why? So have you wished? Why do you keep asking me that? Why don't you answer? Has it played any music yet? Ryan, who cares? I... A blood price. That phrase Gina couldn't quite translate, it says, when the music ends, the blood price is paid. Um, tell her I said thanks. What? What is it? Uh, she's, uh... She's dead, Claire. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. When? Did... A few nights ago. I don't even know what to say yet. Did it play its music then? I don't know what you're talking about. How'd you get to live in that mansion again? We're gonna be late for class, Ryan. Are you coming? Have you? Claire! Okay, so what I also didn't talk about, there's a couple of things that I should say here. First, there is another rule for the box, and if it wasn't within the audio, and I totally skipped over it, I totally apologize. But it says if you sell, trade, or lose the box, you lose all your wishes. So that gives us something to kind of know what might happen, and gives you a little bit of a nod back to the mom, where we know that the mom had the box. So what I talked about much earlier in the film, where everything was weird, that they now all of a sudden live in a disheveled like house and everything like that, that is due to the fact that the mom lost control of the box, or that she died. So the moment that she died, they lost everything. So that also has to do something probably with the fallout with her family and the father and Claire, right? And something that he got blamed because whatever and how everything was held together, it got torn apart because she no longer has possession of the box and she did. So if she had not made, you know, her wishes or whatever it is, then or however the last one goes down because the last wish is what kills the owner of the box, Right? You get that last wish, and boom, you are the one that dies, and so you lose possession of the box. So, 
if her mom made the last wish, then that's what ruined everything out there. Second thing, Ryan does walk in on the fact that his sister's dead. He goes over there to go see her, and he picks up her phone off the ground because he sees it down there because he got the message from her, runs upstairs and sees her all fucking dead. Now, I like the actor that plays Ryan, and that's uh, Ki Hong Lee, okay? And what I like about him is just the way that he actually kind of breathes a little bit of air of life into the film. Like, Ryan Phillippe is fucking boring as shit. Most of the characters fucking suck. The sister-sister lady. Um, and if you don't know what I'm saying when it's sister-sister, look up the show and then look up this actress. Because she looks like she could have been, if you grew up watching sister-sister, she looks very, very fucking similar. And that's a TGIF show for those out there from the fucking 90s. Um... And he, you know, he does his role very well. And he's a very good kind of, I don't want to say comedic type of performance, but he brings a little bit more life to it. But for the life of him, he cannot do an emotional fucking scene, a sad fucking scene. It looks awkward as fucking hell. But I love it at the same time. <laughs> like, it makes me fucking laugh. Because, like, he goes and sees his sister there. And you would think, if I saw my sister fucking impaled on a bull statue i would be crying my eyes out or i would be turning away shock and horror he just looks like yeah she died like it's literally there is no emotion on his face whatsoever for the fact that his sister fucking like is dead and even in this when he's trying to muster up the fact that he's gonna cry because she's died he can't quite do it he can't like there is nothing and so you know, she avoids, the Claire is avoiding the questions here of, did you actually make any wishes? And she, you know, oh, but again, it kind of sucks that Gia is one of the ones that has to die when she has nothing to do with anything of what's gone on with Claire. And of course, she kind of blows him off, and then she continues away and goes to class uh, while he's trying to find more information about it. Uh, we cut over and she's still kind of haunted by everything and what's going on. And we see her with now all of her new friends over in the lunch cafeteria because she's now dating Paul. And she's ditched her two original friends from before. Even though she managed to buy them some very nice purses. And that, you know, fixes everything that's wrong with the relationship with your friends. So she goes over to the table that they're at. And by God, I absolutely hate her friend. Like... I cannot stand this lady in this film, but she breaks down the whole thing of what's actually going on and what she should do. Hey, what's up? So cute. Beyond cute. I don't know, Claire. Why don't you go ahead and ask your new friends? I mean, seriously, I don't get it. Why is everyone so into you lately? You're not that special. Truth. Hey, what's wrong? I need to talk to you guys about something. I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what to do. This is it? Don't kick that. Don't do that. Will someone say something? All right. I mean, have you ever heard of coincidence? Oh, my God. That's all this is, Claire. Coincidence. Yeah, Claire. I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't think so. I really don't. You you want to know what I think, Claire? Yeah. I think you're a selfish bowl of bitch sauce. 
You know, if I had seven wishes, you know what I would have done? I would have wished for world peace and I would cure cancer. I mean, you've used four yeah. whole wishes. Five. Five whole wishes already. And you didn't wish for anything for me in June. Nothing. We're your best friends. Come on. Like, you didn't think like, oh, well, I know Meredith wants an internship at Everest Games and June wants to get into Brown. I don't believe in this anyway. So? Guys, are you serious? Do you think that if... If I believed this from the very beginning, that I wouldn't have wished... For my my mom to, to or you guys, I, it's okay. Say it. Nothing. Nothing. I just I, I don't think that I should be wishing anymore. I think you should just throw it away. I mean, doesn't that make the most sense? Just get rid of it. Yeah. What's well, this? If I get rid of it, then all of my wishes will be undone. But if you really think people have died, aren't you a bad person if you keep it? Yeah, by bad person, June means psycho bitch. Oh, nauseating Norma's outside, and I'm so over this conversation. Okay, so there's a couple things here. And I promise, I I said I'd finish the fucking review. I wasn't going to leave because of the bitch sauce comment and the fact that she's back to playing her fucking stupid fucking game again. God, fucking piece of shit writing. Oh, God. But... There's a couple of things here. So there's one thing that I forgot to mention. She did make her fifth wish was for her to be popular because when she started dating Paul, uh, you know, the ex-girlfriend that got dumped, uh, started doing all types of crappy crap to her. Uh, yes, crappy crap. And, uh, there was a haters gonna hate type of situation. And that's why at the beginning of the film, when she goes over there, like, oh my God, you're so cute. Like, everybody's totally into her and she's the most popular person in school, but the person has not yet been killed for this, uh, last wish. So now the guess is, which one of her two friends is the one that's going to get it? And I sure hope it's one of them because she was happy that somebody else died, and I'm going to be happy when she's fucking out of this film. So, uh, you know, the other thing is that her other friend, she has a good head on her shoulders. Like, literally, she's becoming enamored with this, the fact that she just does not want to get rid of it, because she likes where everything is. Her wishes are completely selfish. She had basically has said, you know, you don't think that I would have brought my mom back if I didn't believe. But obviously, after the second wish or the third wish, you had to believe that this was real because everything has happened. Why wouldn't you, with the fourth wish, instead of making your dad fucking, like, less embarrassing or anything like that, go and be like, hey, bring my mom back to fucking life. Why would you wait this long? Because you are a selfish fucking bowl of bitch sauce. Oh, God. I use the fucking phrase. Oh, my God. But, yes, you are fucking selfish. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. Okay? You cannot say to yourself that you didn't believe that this was real, but you managed to make now five fucking wishes? And your friend is right. If you think that you have killed people because you've done this, why do you keep it? Why do you just not get rid of it and just go back? I get it. When you get a taste of the fine life and you get the taste of riches, you want to keep it. I get it. 
But you also need to understand that you are killing people by doing whatever you're doing. And you could just pawn this off to somebody else. Make some money off of it. Show that it does work, but tell them whatever has happened with it. Or do whatever the fuck you need to do to get rid of this shit. Because you don't want anybody else you know to fucking die. Again, I don't really count Gia because... What the fuck? Who? How did the fuck she know her? Other than she's connected to Ryan, and Ryan may have been upset by the fact that you know, his sister fucking died. So for the time being, she agrees to get rid of the box with her friends, and instead they all go to this senior scavenger thing. Uh, she meets up with Paul there, and Paul gets a little bit too physical, and she finds out that he has been the one that has been stalking her. Oh my god, big fucking surprise. Like, if you didn't see that fucking coming, then... God damn, you were stupid if you didn't recognize the shit in the beginning of this movie. So, she proceeds to dump him. Which, of course, is probably not going to end up the best way because he's under a spell to be in love with her forever. And when you say that something is done, as we know with love potions and every shit like that, you're never going to get rid of the guy unless you fucking kill him or he kills him fucking self. So she decides to go off with her two other friends to do the scavenger hunt. And this is where uh, I get my release, at least for a moment. See, they decide or they find out that one of the answers is the elevator. So they take a picture of the elevator. And then, of course, her friend gets the notification that the monster from her stupid fucking game that she's been playing happens to be on, like, the 36th floor of this fucking building. And if I was her, I would be like, look, you know what? But she actually, you know what? I'd probably go after it because she doesn't believe in any of the shit that's going on. But with her friends, if I think that's happening, I'd go along with them. Now... This is a little bit interesting, because it's not just the same Rube Goldberg machine that we've been seeing, of, of bullshit, by the way. But, well, it kind of is. It is for one person. See, there's also scenes of her dad, because her dad, I guess, went out to a gig or something like that, and he's coming home, and he gets a flat on his car. So, we're basically playing a bullshit guessing game of which of these two people is going to fucking die. Well, it turns out that the demon has a hot, uh, like a soft spot for the girl because he doesn't want to leave her parentless, and so he ultimately kills her friend, who dies in an elevator crash that you really don't see anything happen other than the elevator fall down. But you don't even see the elevator crash in CG. You just see the aftermath when she's laying inside the fucking thing because she was able to find the monster that she needed killed, like moldy fucking Milder or something. It sounds like a fucking garbage pail kid is what it fucking sounds like, and. She becomes the monster master or masturbator or some shit like that. I don't know. Maybe she's going to go fucking pound her wonton later on because she managed to get the last fucking monster. But she just fucking, like, goes in the elevator. There's a little bit of an error. And then the door opens like fucking Tower of Terror in Disneyland. And then she falls to her death. And then we don't see the elevator actually crash. We just see the aftermath and it's CG fucking glory. And then her dad almost gets hit in the face with a tire, but he's able to block it or dodge it, I should say, at the last possible moment. So now her friend, her other friend, is fucking pissed at her because she realizes that she didn't get rid of it. And then she runs into Ryan. And Ryan explains to her that there is one final piece when she does finish up all her wishes. And that is the final price. You know the number on the box that we couldn't figure out? Well, I did. It's a military ID number belonging to an airman by the name of Arthur Sands. That's him. He was stationed in China at the end of World War II. 
A few years later, he opened up a very successful car dealership in Jersey. He lost his best friend in a freak accident. Here's the kicker. That's him six months later. Oh my God. After his suicide, his wife was institutionalized. She swore a music box had destroyed her family. In the last five years or so, the box resurfaced again in Cleveland with a man named Lawrence Hart. He wins the lottery, marries his high school sweetheart, and has two daughters. A perfect life. Until people around him start dying off. His daughters drowned. His wife died in a car accident. And Hart lost his mind. He barricades himself in his house. And that's where he dies in a massive fire. You know what's weird? What's left of his estate is only a few blocks away from your house, Claire. There was another phrase on the box that I don't think you saw. It was a warning. After seven wishes, the Yaguai claims the soul. That's its final price. Okay, so the first thing that surprised the shit out of me of this scene is the fact that Jerry O'Connell is in this movie, and he plays the guy that last had the box, I guess, after her mom had the box, right? There was a period of time between, but we're led to believe right now that this guy was the last guy, but we should know better because, once again, we've seen the beginning of the fucking movie. Uh, and then, so we, this is where we hear more about the final price. The fact that the last thing that happens, you make your last wish, you get it done, but you basically get fucking offed. And then you lose control of the box, so all your wishes get undone, but I guess because you're dead, like, I, I don't know, what, what would be the way to actually beat the box, right, with your last wish? Um, I wish the box would kill me, so then the box kills the person, but then the wish gets undone because you lost it, and then you're back to life, and that's it? Uh, maybe that's the best way to do it. I don't know, but pretty much whatever you make for your last wish is going to be undone anyway, so why would you make the seventh wish? And especially if you're okay with the people around you fucking dying. So... He goes and he does ask her, how many wishes exactly have you made? And it really fucking upsets him. How many wishes have you made? I made five wishes. Jesus, Claire, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm sorry, but... What? How is there a but? People are dead. It was just nice to be normal for a while. That's your excuse? I mean, what'd you wish for anyway? That nice house? No. Oh, no, bullshit. People are dead, Claire, and you can't just wish that away. You can't take that back. I know, and I said I was sorry. I, I didn't know that any of this would happen. You know what I wish? I wish I never met you. That's what I wish. It's my fault, and I know that I have to get rid of it. Please help me. Please, Ryan. Okay, let's do it. All right, Ryan, you pretty fucking cold because, you know, you're like, yeah, it's your fucking fault. And of course, she should know it's her fucking fault, too. And, and the fact that his sister died because she made a wish, a selfish fucking wish for herself, it's really completely fucked up that he's still willing to help her. So they go through this whole fucking thing of, like, the different ways that they're trying to destroy it and they can't fucking destroy the wishing box. So she hides it above her bed. And then in the middle of the night, guess who breaks back into her house? Why, it's Paul. He's back here saying that he can't live without her. And so when he's like, you haven't been answering my texts. 
And she's like, I know, but I don't like you in that way because you fucking scare me because you're stalking me, which is a fucking side effect of the wish I fucking made, which you need to realize that shit was real. And so instead of actually killing her, he tries to kill himself. The cops get called. He gets taken away and everything's kind of okay with that after that. And then in the morning, she comes by and she, again, still looking to have Ryan's help and getting rid of the box. But when she goes to open where the box is, it's now completely gone. Where is it? What? What, what do you mean? I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It was right there last night. It was right in there. I... What does that mean? Maybe it's done with you. Maybe it's over. What, what now? What, what would I do? I'd... You move on with your life? You can do it. It's easy to say, Ryan. No, it's easy to wish. I, I, I liked it. I liked having it. It made me, made me feel special. Is there anything you wish for that you can't live without? No. See, you don't need it. That's right. You don't need the fucking box, but you do need the box to have everything that you had. And you can see that she's fucking jonesing it for the fucking box like it's fucking heroin to her or something like that. She's rubbing her arms. And basically, yeah, you could put it as a metaphor, but that she's addicted to doing this. That she gets everything she wants, but eventually it doesn't work out the way that she wants it like a fucking monkey's paw. So she goes back. All of a sudden, you find out that she lost the house. Uh, because the uncle, for some miraculous reason, didn't pay any taxes, and that's where all the money's going to. And then they still have the original house, so she moves back into her original digs, which is absolutely crazy. And then she goes to school the next day, and the bully is back. So she's lost everything that she's wished for, but she's lost all these people in her life, too. She goes around, you see the, like, there's a memorial for the one girl that was a friend of her and she goes and meets her other friend where she realizes that she actually has the box and she stole it from her house and damn it claire is gonna get it back you stole it you can get rid of it you saw what i did to meredith i'm just trying to protect you okay okay so you think that you can control you it. think you can claire really are you crazy why would you bring it here in the first place? Because I have two little sisters at home. Give it back. Right now. After everything that's happened? Yes, June! What's wrong with you? No! Claire, no, stop it, Claire! See what it's done. This is a bad idea. June, go away. Stop! Listen to me! Just stop! Claire, come on! No, 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 Claire, come here. Is she gonna be okay? What is wrong with you? 
Yeah, honestly, what the fuck is wrong with you? But you're a fucking addict for these wishes. You just want to have them readily available for you so that you can do what you want. And you've got two more, and you wish that you had everything that you had before, including the guy that was stalking you and basically was going to kill himself for you. Like, everything has been fucked up in your life, and you have to figure out how to wean yourself off of this fucking box, you stupid bitch. The fact that you even argue with your friend, and your friend is just looking out for you, and you can't fucking see it, again, that's just a side effect of everything that's going on with this box and it's hilarious watching her friends slide down the stairs <laughs> it's absolutely terrible too. <laughs> but it's it's just like she rolls over once and it's <laughs> and because she's now I'm, I'm i'm a fat guy okay uh but she's a little bit of a chubbier lady and you can see everything jiggle and it's <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's terrible but it's fucking hilarious and she's still breathing at the bottom of the stairs and Claire looks on and then she starts running away and Ryan falls after her and basically tries to get her to stop even doing anything else with the box go away I thought we were done with this you, I'm not ready yet you can't keep it you know that you have to get rid of it you don't understand I'm not ready yet what about everything we talked about I just won't wish anymore Okay, it'll be fine. I just won't wish. I'm just going to hang on to it for a while. Claire, please, you're not hearing yourself. You can't control it. It's controlling you. Go away. Okay, please go away. I have two wishes left, and if you do not go away, I will use one on you, and I swear I'll use it on you. Go away. You can't keep running from this. So she runs back home, even though she can't keep running from it, because eventually it's true, it's all going to catch up to her. And she runs home and she throws the box into her room. Everybody is trying to fucking get a hold of her to stop her from making any other wishes with the box. But of course, like an addict, she basically sits there, ignores everybody, and makes the one wish she thought that would make her happy. I know, I know what to do. I know, I know, I know what to do, I know what to do. Okay, okay. If I, I know. If I just don't make any more wishes, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Chop, chop. 
So everything now has gone back to being like the wholesome beginning that the beginning of the movie had you believe. She now has two sisters that she's never had before because her mother survived. Yet everybody else is dead, including when she found the lady across the street fucking rotting in her kitchen. And everything else that she's wished for, even though that it's gone away so far, the death toll still remains. But hey, she's got herself her perfect fucking life and her perfect fucking family. Everything seems to be going well, and she doesn't know what the last death wish is going to be, or the death price is going to be. So she goes up into the attic, and she sees all of her mom's paintings. And this is where we get that revelation in the movie that we've been waiting so much for for the entire fucking film. For them to finally say something about it. And it's what we already know as the audience. And it pisses me off so much. But it's a revelation for Claire. Where while she's going through the paintings. She sees that her mom painted the box. And that was one of the paintings that her dad had found in the attic. And they happen to be up there right now. And that's where she realizes that this had all been like connected completely her mom the reason that she committed suicide or the reason that she died is because she made wishes with the box and then as we know in the beginning of the film she threw it out but the way they treat this they treat it like it's a revelation to everybody not just a revelation to claire that it's a revelation to us as the audience that oh hey guess what you never knew this she had the box But we knew this from the beginning of the goddamn movie. How did you not know what that was? So, and then this wish, too, to bring back her mom. The moment she realized that everything, the fourth fucking wish that she should have made should have been this one. That's it. Because who would she have lost? She lost her dog with the first wish. Okay, you might not have known that, but okay, you lost the dog. You lost uh, the... The uncle with the second wish, you lost the neighbor with the third wish, you lost Gina with the fourth wish. So if you lost Gina, you don't really give a shit, you got your mom back, you still learn everything else, you still got a fucked up relationship with Ryan, Paul's probably tried to kill himself at some point, but hey, you don't need to make the other wishes because you got the life that you want, and you didn't lose anybody special in your family. And then... That's the moment, too, when she realizes that, hey, something is going to happen because she hears the chainsaw going outside and Carl is trying to cut the tree on a really flimsy fucking ladder. And so she runs downstairs past her mom, goes outside, tries to stop her dad, but ultimately helps in killing her dad off. Because, like I said earlier, the demon, he doesn't want to leave her parentless, but he's willing to take one of the parents. So basically, he's trading the mom's life for the dad's. And that totally upsets Claire, because now she doesn't have the family life that she thought she had. Because even though... This change is being made in her life, and everybody around her realizes the changes. She doesn't know that these changes are actually happening at all. So she decides to run back upstairs, and she thinks that she's figured out a way to beat the fucking demon. So she makes her seventh and final wish. I know how to beat you! I want to go back! I want to go back before I got you. I want to go back. My final wish is I want to go back to the morning my dad found you. I want to go back right now. So she gets her last wish granted. And then she realizes that everything has been reset 
to what it was. She looks outside of the window and she sees what we see when Claire first wakes up in the beginning of the movie. She sees her dad and Carl outside. She calls out to them. She also calls her friend. And then she continues on with her reset of what she believes to be of her life. Wait, wait! Wait, wait, wait! Um, uh, hang on, hang on! I'm not awake right now. What do you want? No, 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 nothing. Hi. I just wanted to, you know, hear your voice. Need a kidney or some ridiculous words of wisdom? No, 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 I just, no. All right, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go back to sleep, okay? Nice. Okay, okay. Dad! Hey, what's all this? Um, nothing. I just, um, I was wondering if I could go with you guys. You know, like old times. Yeah, get in. Awesome. Sure, it'll be like old times. Be all good luck, Charles. Oh, you look so nice. So it looks like everything so far has gone back to normal, except she didn't bother to check up on her uncle, because I guess, fuck that guy, because maybe he had something to do with the box. But fuck, I don't know, and I never know what her mom wished for, or whatever they went to fucking squalor for, but we know that it was due to the fact that her mom had the box and lost the box, right? After she passed away. So she's thinking that everything is fine, because she's going to go out with her dad before school even fucking starts, and find the box herself, which she does, and she grabs. She goes back over to the school, and that's where we kind of get the last little bit of the ending of the film. Now, this is a very long clip, because this is going to play out uh, into the whole conversation that her and Ryan have, uh, as well as what happens to her at the end of the movie, which... I guess you guys can also guess, because I think you all are pretty smart and understand where this is going. So let's go ahead and cue up the last little bit of the film, and then we will discuss how it ends. Ryan! Ryan, hey! Can I uh, talk to you for a second? Uh, sure. Okay, um... First off, I just wanted to say, um, I'm sorry for the whole McFarns thing. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, um... But you know what? Maybe in the multiverse that didn't happen. Hold on. You dig on multiverses? Yeah. And also, maybe in the multiverse we're really good friends. Maybe we're even dating. Well, have we done it? No, not yet. I've also met your cousin Gina, hung out in her loft and everything. Okay, you're freaking me out right now. Yeah, good. Because I need a favor. Um, okay, this is gonna sound crazy, but please don't open this. Just, just bury it. No shortcuts. Uh, okay. What's in it for me? Dinner, if you want. And maybe we could talk more on this whole multiverse thing. Yeah, and you can tell me how you know my cousin and that she has a loft. Done.
So that was Wish Upon. If you didn't see the fact that she was going to die at the end of the film, I mean, come on. It was all laid out. Basically, maybe the same type of thing happened with her mom. You know, she decided at that point that... I'm done, I made my last wish, I know it's going to come out, if I can just toss it and discard it, then everything's done. Or the fact that they're going to find out that I've done all this stuff because of my wishing, then I'm going to kill myself. Maybe mom never made the last wish, right? And there's got to be some other way that they could have beat it, but of course, at the same time, she's a very young, immature kid, and here you go, she's going to do this stuff to get rid of the whole situation. And it ultimately doesn't work out, because the only way that you can survive your last wish is to not. And she gets killed by the same bully that got her in the beginning. So now is the bully in trouble? Like, because of that, you know, she killed somebody, and that's the way that it is, or there's nothing going to happen. And everybody else gets the reset that they need, but she doesn't get the reset she needs. So, this film... Ugh... It's just hot garbage. Like, I wish that there would have at least been something interesting in it. Like, I wish that the deaths would have been interesting. I wish the dialogue would have been better. I wish she would have learned more things. There needed to be more backstory. Again, I know I keep coming back to it, and I'm constantly coming back to it in this review, but I really want something more from what the mother did. Why the mother killed herself other than the fact that she's used the wish box and that's fucking it. And here we go. We're dealing with this bullshit again. And, you know, she basically is dead because she did bad things or bad things happened because of what's going on. And how did it affect her relationship between her brother and her family? Did they know about it? Did she not tell anybody what was going on? I really don't get it. Why couldn't you just give us a little bit more? And that one scene between her father and herself was really good because it gave you a little bit. All you know is that there were some secrets out there. If I hadn't been shown anything or told anything, that scene would have been more poignant. It would have been a better use of my fucking time. Or you just had flashbacks when there was the reveal that the mother had used the box before. Again, not seeing the stuff in the beginning, but... It's like seeing to like things that had happened. Like she became a good artist because of it. She became, uh, you know, he got popular in the music industry because she wanted to make sure that her husband got the fame that he deserved. And then he lost everything and became this mess because once she died, everything went away. But, you know, they owned their house and everything like that. Just give me something a little more that gives you a much deeper connection to the fact that her daughter is doing the same things again that her mother had done before. Like, without knowing that somehow this was all connected. Then that part stings a little harder. Other than, oh yeah, this is where it's fucking coming, this is what we're gonna do, and yeah, the dad's gonna die in this scene. Like, it's just poor it's such poor writing that is my biggest complaint about it and the fact that like the acting's not the best so overall what do i rate this film so the gore factor it's a one out of five there's nothing goring it's hit by the pg fucking monster even the scene where you see i keep saying gia but it's gina i suppose uh and when she's got her head through the bull thing like there's nothing there. There's no blood. There's You don't even see it. It's a shadow of everything. So that's the most gory thing that happens. Oh, except for when What's-Her-Name gets her neck. Oh, and you see the blood inside the fucking water there. Like, 
it's all fucking stupid. And uh, the dog. The dog probably gets you the one point of gore. Because you actually see the insides of the dog on the ground. But you don't see it actually fucking happen. I would have also loved to have seen the, like, the demon. You know, something. If the demon was actually the one causing these things. Instead of it. You know, like she sees at the last minute. And honestly, when they fade into her eye during the last thing. You see something in the clouds. You see like the shape or the face of a demon. But it looks more like a Japanese like samurai type of demon than anything else. Um, that's the only glimpse that you kind of get it when the blood packs or the blood prices are paid. So, I'm kind of like in the middle of that whole thing there. I, I wish I would have actually seen something. Even like Insidious shows you a demon eventually. So, the, uh, <laughs> crap factor of this film, it is a 5 out of 5. Uh, from the terrible dialogue to some of the terrible acting to the nonsensical ways they drive the plot to the foreshadowing that doesn't even need to be done it is just plain shitty just in general the fun factor of this movie surprisingly you know uh i'm gonna give this a two and you're gonna be like why it sounds like it's a one to you it's a two because of the soundtrack like the soundtrack even the way that it is and even that last like you know poppy little song that only what you wish for you know that song it's not terrible i actually enjoyed a lot of it and a lot of the arrangements for some of the orchestral parts of the soundtrack are fantastic i think that that's the strongest suit of this movie um also the it's the actor that plays ryan i kind of like the character as well uh even though the emotional scenes are laughable but I think he's kind of welcome to the film. It's not acted extremely terribly with the main cast. The side cast is terrible. And, you know, our sister, sister wannabe, I just cannot stand her. Though the person that plays the other friend, June, um, she's not terrible. I, I don't think it's that bad. It could be worse than what it is. Even though it's sometimes she's a little, like, clueless type of where she's going with whatever she's doing in the scene. So, it's a fun factor of two. So... Overall, I give this film one and a half wonton slams out of five. It could be a really good film. It has the opportunity with a decent story to do something new and different with the whole monkey's paw type of thing, but ultimately it just fails. It's not really a film that's so good it's bad. Maybe you guys might, somebody out there might enjoy it in that aspect, but personally, I just could not get into it in that type of way. It just ended up becoming just kind of a blasé type of film where I was just like, uh, I wish it was better than it actually was. So what are we going to be doing next? Um, I'm starting for the next couple of films, uh, and I'm going to put the announcement out here now in case you didn't see it on Twitter, uh, or, you know, if you're not following me on Twitter, I don't know why, or you're not following me on Instagram, I don't know why, or you're not liking the Facebook page, I don't know why. Go out there, T underscore, T underscore podcast on Twitter, facebook.com slash terrible terrible podcast, and of course, Terrible Terror Podcast on Twitter, but this is not the time for plugs, even though now it just became. Uh, no, uh, so for October of this, this, uh, season of the podcast, I'm going to do, and superhero horror is kind of a, like, I'm just gonna do comic book horror, is what we're gonna call it. And there are four films that I'm going to do, because one of them, I wouldn't really call him a superhero, and I thought about it after I made the tags and everything, but, everything out, but um, Looking at Spawn, looking at Constantine, looking at Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, or Ghost Rider. 
I think the image right now has Spirit of Vengeance, but I could be doing the original Ghost Rider. I don't know. And then looking at Blade Trinity, even though I might also look at the original Blade instead, but Trinity seems to be the one that when I got a kind of uh, asked a couple of different people about the idea behind it, that seemed to be the one to pinpoint. And the reason that Constantine is on there, I know some people are like, Constantine's not that bad of a film. It has some bad parts. But was because somebody that I was talking about it said, what, no DC? So... You get a DC goddamn movie in there, and you get a DC character in there. So we're representing Image Comics, DC Comics, Marvel Comics, um, all within that spectrum. There are other people out there that we could be also be uh, you know representing, but right now there is still some thought on the other ones that would be considered within that genre of comics. Um, uh, horror movies like Hellboy, but I think that those films deserve their own like section. Like a Del Toro month uh, would be something that would be fun to do of just Guillermo Del Toro movies for a full month, four episodes or five episodes depending on the month. Um, might be something that's really really entertaining, but it's not a terrible type of thing, uh, except for maybe Blade Two and um, that other one that he, Mimic. I'm not a, the biggest fan of Mimic, uh, but it would be hard for me to pick some of my other films that I really love of his because they're in fucking Spanish. So uh, I'm looking at you, Pan's Labyrinth. I'm looking at you, um, Devil's Backbone. So it might be really fun to like look at a couple of Del Toro's films, and I feel that I could put Hellboy into those categories by maybe sandwiching it in between two other uh, of his films. So October is going to be that. That'll be it. The anniversary movie um, is going to be a movie that I think everybody thought that I was going to end last October's with. So that's a hint. Uh, if you get that hint, you'll know exactly what the anniversary movie is going to be. Will I have a guess? I'm going to see. There might be somebody I want to bring in to actually talk about that film, uh, which I think would be a lot of fun. And I always like doing you know if something different for the anniversary films. Uh, but the next three films that you're going to get before the anniversary film comes out all deal with, uh, you know, it's 80s and 90s monsters, basically what we're dealing with. And these are monster flicks. And the first one of these films that we're going to look for has one of my favorite quotes from The Simpsons, which I also attached in this trailer. Um, so we're going to look at 1984's Chud. Beneath the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels, unfit for anything human, unauthorized for anything experimental, Hold it. Moving up ahead in the and unlikely to bring anyone down there. So, <laughs> they're coming up. Chud. Chud. Check your basement and your bathroom. Keep off the street and try to hide. But remember, the dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic. Humanoid. 
underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. And that's when the Chuds came at me. Uh-huh. Of course you'll have a bad impression of New York if you only focus on the pimps and the Chuds. All right, so next time we are going to be talking about Chud. Now, this is a movie I have not seen in a really, really long time. So I'm looking forward to actually talking about this film. And who knows, maybe something special will be done. I'm not sure. It just matters about the time that there is uh, available in between podcasts. So uh, I already kind of plugged everything, but what I do want to plug this time is I want to plug the Angry Dead podcast. Uh, I went and did uh, an episode with them where... I talked to Ben over there about how uh, my experience going backstage at a Five Finger Death Punch show uh, that happened a little while ago. And so it was kind of fun going through that and just talking about it. And then he talked about something that happened at a Mayhem tour. So go check out Angry Dad Podcast. Find him on Twitter at B to the Fourth Power, also on Instagram. And you can find links to everything, you know, Angry Dad Podcast, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify. Also, the show, too, if you are interested in seeing the sh- or listening to the show on Spotify. Spotify. The Terrible Terror Podcast, available on Spotify. Go check it out if that is your listening platform of preference. So, with that, I bid you adieu. We'll talk about Chud next time. See you later. No, you are not making a fucking sequel.